Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Benefit strategy for attraction and retention. A thoughtfully crafted to the demographic, the company that you're trying to the people that you're trying to attract for your company. Is your benefit strategy the right one to land great people? I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's most difficult hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Ron Herrera, the VP of Consulting Services at the Precept Group, located in beautiful Irvine, California. Ron is... um, a national employee benefits consulting firm and insurance brokerage. Uh, Ron is, and actually his firm is, Precept Group. And Precept offers a variety of services, including health and welfare consulting, health management programs, benefits administration and technology, retirement plan services, and more. Ron partners with employees across the U.S. to reduce healthcare expenditures and stimulate organizational culture. Prior to Precept, Ron led human resources operations in a vice president and director role with multiple healthcare organizations. Ron, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks, Rick. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm happy to have you, and um, and uh, we're going to cover something that um, I think I, I met you. You gave a talk on at Disrupt HR, and so. Um, Hopefully, we can uh, shed some light on on a couple things. One, how benefits can drive retention, um, ineffective versus effective benefits communication, as well as um, how benefits can help you land talent. So let's get started. So let's talk about how benefits drive retention. Go. (laughs) They do. Thank you. Thank you. End of show. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We're out. (laughs) You know, benefits... It's funny, you know, for uh, for years, benefits has kind of been the uh, stepchild of uh, salary and other items. And so now we look at what's happening in our economy. You know, obviously, uh, you know, health insurance is so expensive. Sure. You know, health care is uh, representative of one out of every six dollars in the economy. You know, our legislators are fighting about you know, uh, insurance costs and benefit programs. So at this point. Benefits is no longer taking a back seat to salaries in a lot of instances. Yeah. So today we're finding that as the cost of benefits rise, so does their relevance from an employment perspective. Ooh, how so? So yeah, I figured you know, 15, 20 years ago when benefits uh, costs were not as high. That was um, like five years ago. <laughs> well, it's, uh, from, <laughs> it feels like it. It, it does. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, but when you look back historically, benefits didn't represent the dollar amount that it represents today. Sure. So as people go either without benefits for periods of time or they have some uh, realization about the true cost of them, you find that the decisions impacting their their benefits or the availability of benefits is much more important. So before, a benefit annually for maybe an employee might be a, a healthcare insurance summing $1,000. Sure. Well, now it's easy for a benefit by itself to actually cost $1,000 a month. Oh, yeah, a month. easily. Yeah. Right. So as yeah. that climbs exponentially, again, so does its importance because it impacts people's wallets. Sure. But how does this help to drive retention? Because we have the company covering the cost of it? 
So it drives retention in a few ways. Okay. So um, I would say primarily uh, employers offer benefits to attract and retain, and it's really the cultural norm now. So Well, they kind of have to, right? I mean, because you're not going to attract anybody without it. Right. Yeah. So even so, just offering it is kind of status quo. Yeah. So what are you doing to actually stand out from the others? I mean, they, they, people have been talking about this war for talent for a long time that sure. is coming. Well, it's here now. It's actually been here. It's been here for a while. Right. You know, in Orange County, I mean, we're below 3% unemployment rate. So by looking at that, you've Absolutely. really got to do everything you can to stand out and to delineate from other employers. And so salary is obviously one way to do it. Um, benefits is, is another way. And at this point, since you're expected to pay a salary and pay a benefit, how creative can you get with your benefit strategies? And that doesn't necessarily just mean throwing more money at your benefit plans. A lot of employers will throw uh, ample sums of money and maybe they're falling in terms of uh, not communicating effectively the value of those plans or um, seemingly being excited about it. So generating that kind of buzz, um, it fuels retention because A, it makes people feel really uh, loyal to the employer, um, thankful that the employer appreciates them. And when the value is communicated effectively, it actually makes it difficult for other employers to poach your talents. So that seems to me that it would have to be something like a, a benefit that's above and beyond what normal benefits are. So for example, most companies offer insurance for you, right? And they'll, they'll cover percentage of you. And then of course, you have to pick up your family or whatever else. So I would imagine if you go above and beyond and you cover the employee and their family, and you cover 100% of the cost, that might lock you in, right? Well, that would be a very, very attractive benefit because yeah. it's very rare that employers are picking up 100% of the cost sure. for, for families. Um, but but you, you draw on a good point. Um, obviously, when you have a better value proposition, yeah. you're, you're going to get better uh, attraction and retention. But my, my second point is, in addition to just having a better plan, um, employers sometimes don't do such a great job at communicating the value of their plans. Yeah. So, so just by educating an employee or an employee base about how valuable their plans are, um, they're actually they're feeling like I had mentioned before that um, uh, appreciation and, and maybe that you know lack of feeling like they need to look for something else because what they're getting is is really valuable and fantastic. And when employers who might be competing for that talent, maybe trying to poach those employees, if they're not communicating the value of their benefits, even if the value is the same, that perception of value is huge. Okay. Because I'm trying to keep an open mind here because I usually focus in on the other aspects outside of salary and benefits, right? right? Like to me, that's a little bit secondary from a recruiting perspective. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about retention, this is pretty important. But so what specifically is going to keep somebody there then? Right? Like what, what is it going to be the thing that's going to be like, okay, well, it's got to be something that the other employer that's trying to poach you doesn't offer. Doesn't offer or doesn't communicate. Okay. So. Okay. Right. So it's really about messaging in a way. I, I think largely it is. Yeah. Because you know, most employers that are seemingly competitive in the same space, um, they're going to have certain expectations that their demographic of employees requests or, or sure. inherently requires. You know, medical insurance, dental, vision, life insurance, all of those items. So that's why I'm saying it's not necessarily the fact that you're offering a better benefit, but you might be doing a better job at, to your point, messaging the benefit Got it. and messaging the value. Okay. 
Because somebody who's a 22-year-old kid doesn't really care that much about the benefits as much as somebody who's a 40-year-old person with a family, right? So, um, so how do you how do you target that? So, right. I, I, how do you build that in for retention? I guess that, sure. guess that's what I'm trying to connect the dots on. So, so uh, that's a great example. You know, people in different parts of their lives. You know, a 20-something and a 40-something. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, conventional thinking says you know, the the young person doesn't care about benefits, um, but we're in a new day, a new age. You know, I'm I'm often impressed and surprised by just the acumen that young people bring to employment, especially watching maybe their parents go through such difficult financial situations through you know the Great Recession. Yeah. So that that 22 year old who might be interested in in a benefit. Uh, the attraction and retention for that person is not necessarily going to be, hey, we offer uh, your you know, boilerplate HMO and PPOs that your parents enjoy. Yeah. You know, in that case, it would be you know, maybe we've got a product or an offering that is tailored to, to you, like a health savings account where you're, you may not be utilizing the plans a lot now, but you're able to bank money through this health savings account um, and grow that money so that in the future when you've got more complex uh, conditions or situations, you've got actual, you know, hedged money to pay for that. Sure. So that would be an opportunity to say, you know, whether 20 something year olds care about this benefit or not, let's educate them on it and message it so that they understand there's value here. And maybe you came into this uh, interview, not knowing necessarily that this is available to you with a company or a position with a company from us, but this is, this is another thing that we do. And it's another differentiator. And yeah. that, that's effectively knowing um, what's going to appeal to people. So to make your benefits effective, you just need to communicate them and you need to communicate them often, right? Is that really the message that we... So I'd say it's, that, it's a, the two prong. Um, you have to have a benefit strategy that makes sense okay. and you have to communicate that. Okay, so, so how do you communicate it? So uh, there's lots of ways to communicate. Um, I say make it a culture by talking about it a lot. Um, you know, inform your employees that you know where they stand in terms of benchmarking. Now, like, hey, I just went to the doctor today. I saw the proctologist. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and each, I'm each, sure glad we have those benefits. Each company culture is different. <laughs> yeah, uh, that might that might be okay or might not. Um, no, but I, I'm thinking. You know, when it's uh, employees are conditioned to think about benefits at renewal time often. Sure. And that's when they tune in. That's when they absorb what they need to absorb, make decisions, and then tune out. Um, so, my thought is do things throughout the year that keeps the benefits platform in front of them. Uh, maybe have health fairs, do you know, health and wellness programs, things that actually engage employees, because it's really in everybody's best interest for health to be top of mind. Um, and uh, so that's one way I like to ensure employees are being communicated to. Um, you know, there's lots of options for lunch and learns and different things. Is there any <clears> tools <throat> that you can use to communicate this information, like on a on a regular basis, to your employees as well? Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there are. Uh, uh, electronic tools like employee portals. Um, there's different benefits communication platforms that can be utilized. Um, there are uh, sometimes employees. Oh, thanks so much. You read my mind. There's employee. <laughs> He's like, stop coughing into the mic. For you, for, for those of you who are just listening, I just came on water. Thank you. Yeah, Thank no you. problem. Um, so, um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of different avenues. Um, there's employee newsletters, um, wellness letters, all kinds of things that you can disseminate via email. Um, you know, a lot of workforces today are on 
computers. You know, they, sure. a, lot of, a lot of jobs touch those. So there are videos that can be created and disseminated. Videos are very popular because it actually, you know, makes things live as opposed to mundane. Um, so those are all platforms that you can utilize. And I would say the, the best advice I could probably give is knowing the culture of your company. Certain messages fly much better when they're communicated through the channels that are most in tune with your company's culture. Sure. So I would say um, I've given you some examples, and I would uh, cross those with some of the things that you know work. All right. So I want to talk a little bit more about the strategy side, um, but we're going to take a quick break. We're speaking with Ron Herrera, the VP of Consulting Services with the Precept Group. We're going to talk uh, a little bit more about strategy and um, delve into how actually this works in, re in uh, attracting talent. Be right back. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and today our guest is Ron Herrera, the VP of Consulting Services at the Precept Group. So we just discussed how benefits drive retention and kind of how they're effective from a communication standpoint. Now we're going to go into a little bit more into the strategy and as well as how benefits are going to help land talent. So we started talking about a little bit about the strategy, um, having a good strategy. So let's talk a little bit about that. So let's say you're a small, medium, large-sized company, like different phases. Is there different strategies for different phases of a company that you should probably attend to? I, you know, my thought is when you're a startup, man, you, <laughs> the benefits are important, <laughs> but they're really not as important as a larger company, especially when it, I mean, that's something that I tried to decentuate more so than, than the content of the work. But let, I'll let you speak about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's a good way to look at it, you know, because the different life cycle stages of a company is really going to point to different strategies. Um, and things grow and, and, uh, and, uh, and fail in importance. Okay, so, so let's say I'm a startup. Mm -hmm. Series, I just got my first round of funding and I need to get some benefits in place. What should I be looking at? So if you're a startup, and let's just say 10 employees. Sure. Uh, or less. And you're looking to build right now. Yeah. Right, right. You know, your your focus is going to be on growth sure. um, and, and other things that are um, a little more top of mind. So from a benefits perspective, you, you're still hiring employees, and employees need benefits. Yeah. So what happens a lot at that pace is, uh, you know, employers uh, might utilize a strategy where they'll uh, incur like a, a health uh, reimbursement account, an HRA. Okay. And they might fund that account. Um, now, granted, they're in startup mode, so they don't have tons of money. Yeah. Um, so they might uh, put some seed money in there so that employees can go out and get their own benefits. Um, but the employer is still contributing something so that it's you know, making that leap a little bit less daunting. Got so, it. So that, that's a pretty common strategy when you're of that size or a really smaller company. Okay. Very Got small. it. What if, what if I've already decided, okay, I'm going to 
start buying healthcare for everybody and making sure that they, they're covered, at least a percentage of it, I would imagine. Sure. So if that's the case, <clears throat> um, there are certain um, avenues that you can go to. Like, again, for small, very small employers, there, there's options like CalChoice. Mm-hmm. You know, CalChoice is a, uh, is a platform with opportunity to provide lots of uh, different carriers um, with different options that caters to the small group the small employer group size. Got it. Um, and so what it does is it gives employees that feel that they're getting more of that larger employer experience, lots mm-hmm. of options um, tailored, um, and, uh, and and that's how employees employers can compete in that smaller space. Got it. Okay. So then what would be my next phase? So I'd well, say... Is there anything else that I would need besides just health, dental, vision? Um, you know, when you're at that small size, um, those are the, the, the true ones. I mean, medical insurance is always going to be like the most important and the most uh, costly benefit. So sure. providing access to affordable care there, that, that's going to be predominant. You know, dental, vision, um, and I would say in that order, yeah. uh, medical, dental, vision, and then... Um, you know, t- typically, I mean, you can tailor if you want to have access to life insurance programs or not. They tend to not be um, very expensive, just okay. like traditional life. Um, but once you swell and you're now around the point of 50 employees, okay. in fact, let's say you're at 50 employees and you've hovered there for a- about a year, you now qualify to be an applicable large employer. So what that means is the uh, Affordable Care Act is yeah. now applicable to you. So at the, 50 employees. At 50 employees. Okay. So all the regulations. So stay at 49 as long yeah. as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there are certain things that come into play at that point. Sure. Um, and it's an interesting place for employers because you're not at the size that you're able to offer um, truly robust benefits that incorporate aspects of underwriting and, and all the things that make up for a complex benefits offering. That typically happens when you're at about 100 employees. So let's say now you're at 100. Um, there are uh, a variety of options that open up to you. Carriers um, have more to be able to offer. You've got different benefit designs to choose from. Does it lower your health care costs per person? Um, uh, it, it can, yes, it, it can. Because if you're it, you're operating in a larger space. If you're a 50-person company, what, what are you expecting to spend on health care? Well, let's see. Is there like a general rule of what I should be expected to spend? Like for every hundred people, I'm going to spend X or something. So not necessarily, because okay. in that space at that size, um, the rates are really going to be age banded. Are they? So okay. depending on age, that's going to populate the rate. Um, you know, and there's really not a lot of flexibility. Which is probably there. why a lot of startups like to hire younger people. It does cut down the. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure. I'm some sure it's might not think. a consideration, <laughs> but I mean, it's maybe the CFO thought about it. You know, I, for the, the folks in startup uh, mode that I know, I mean, they're so focused on growth. Yeah. Um, they're looking at how they increase, you know, revenue generation and, yeah. and, and, and funding. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're not looking at how they save pennies on the back end. Not to say no sure. one has done that. Sure. Um, but um, but I, I think that uh, once you hit that 100 platform, um, certain pods start to open to you. Um, now, once you hit 500, uh, and I would I would argue even counting my own point, um, Sometimes employers get to this uh, concept a little earlier, but once you hit to 500, now uh, you know you really should be looking at you know developing synergies around your population. Um, you know, the what does concept, that mean? So that would mean like the concept of self-funding okay. or level funding. Um, so self-funding is where an employer decides that they're going to become their own insurance company. Okay. So instead of um, 
you know, procuring uh, insurance through a fully insured plan through a carrier, um, they set up administration and fund claims themselves. Okay. They usually ensure that there's some um, stop loss coverage so that if a claim exceeds a certain amount, it doesn't take down the company. There's insurance to, to cap that expense. Do they supplement it typically with outside insurance as well or no? Um, typically, it's okay. no. Typically, it's it's the stop loss and then that's all contained within the plan. So this is an option you can do, but how? what's the percentage of companies that actually do it? So comp- once you hit 500... Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to give a, a loose percentage, but I would say 500 is typically where you'll see employers start to kind of dip their toes in the water. Got it. Um, I can tell you that um, of our clients that are of size, like a thousand and more, um, we hover in the high 60 percentile range, close to 70 percent. Okay. Um, so jumping to that thousand threshold, let's let's stay there for a minute. So at a thousand employees, you've now got some padding in your plans. You know, the law of large numbers is active so you've got some sick people but the majority of your people are healthy and so they're subs- what's the law of large numbers for all of us who didn't know that well it, basically the uh, the larger your sample size the more um, predictability and reliability you can see happen with claims or, or just or just extensional events okay so um, so in this space that's where it, oftentimes it does make sense for employers to look at self-funding very seriously because there's since it's a large number, let's say a thousand employees, yeah. that's a lot of money that you would be paying to the insurance company. Yeah. So if it's you're a able to, amount. yeah. So if you're able to actually, um, you know, put those stop gaps in place to, you know, prevent catastrophe, and do things to hedge your risk, and this is where the things that we do at Precept Group are, are kind of unique. Um, you know, we'll actually implement programs that help identify and, and, and care for um, the people that are really sick on the plans. Okay. And so that that's a strategy that really you should be looking at when you're self-funded, especially at that amount, because A, there's enough people who are sick um, to, uh, to develop a lot of opportunity for savings. Okay. Um, plus, you've got the opportunity to enrich people's lives by helping them exit sickness. So I want to jump back there really quickly to, to that 50-person company, because that's most of our listener base is usually in that 20 to 100-person range, right? So sure. what's, um, what's going to be most relevant in retention at the point when, okay, so now we're at 50, let's, let's just say now we're at 100-person, right? What's going to be the things that really get your workers to be like, hey, like these are the these are the benefits right now that that I can't walk away from. They're amazing. At that at that fifty, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, what should be offered? Maybe in that fifty to one hundred company mm-hmm. person range. So I, what I would advise, or uh, what I advise my clients, um, when you're in that space, you know, you're you're trying to identify kind of again what makes you stand out. So knowing your competition, sure. You know, and when you're in that smaller size, um, I wouldn't expect that a lot of them are offering some of the the benefits that are not boilerplate and uh you know this is where things like um you know flexible spending accounts come into play or um you know uh, pet insurance um pet insurance have you heard of pet insurance no oh let me tell you it's very popular (laughs) so people (laughs) love that here in newport beach i'm sure (laughs) yeah so people love their pets um it's like children to them sure and so there are you know carriers or 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 companies that provide this kind of uh, access to discount care um, and, and what's called pet insurance. Okay. And so what that does is it, it enables the employer to provide something of value to an employee um, as to where, you know, maybe it's something that doesn't apply to all of your 
constituents, but but to some. Um, and that's a benefit that you may not expect would be available in a smaller company. And so what that does is it gives the allure and the appeal of a larger company uh, by offering benefits that are maybe a little more boutique, you know, offering a, a, a legal plan, okay, uh, you know, uh, offering, um, you know, access to uh, discounted you know, mortgages or, or insurance through you know, personal lines, okay, um, you know, and and not to say we want to flood small employers with all these different benefit plans, but I think an employer who's small enough to be nimble in their decision making, and, and which really makes I think a lot of the environment fun to work in attached to a benefit strategy that makes it feel like you're not sacrificing anything by working for us, a small employer. We're giving you all the access to benefits that your larger uh, competitors would. That's a great place to be in. And just to clarify, a ping pong table and a foosball table are not benefits. <laughs> I, I, I love <laughs> you said that. Um, I'll agree with that. Uh, right. Oh, actually, well, let me back up. Um, there's benefits They're that perks. are boilerplate and there are benefits that are perks, right? Yeah. Um, now, I'd say if you've got room for a ping pong table or a foosball table or you know a, a go-kart track why not all that stuff yeah, great absolutely. i'm sure some employees will love it but that's not what's going to attract and retain yeah that's going to make the day fly by a little bit faster i'm fascinated by the pet insurance so what what other like kind of obscure things do they offer that you know could be a benefit to somebody sure well i you know i, I I'll describe something. I don't think it's obscure, um, but it, it is something that I think is kind of nuanced and is coming up more and more. Um, and that's uh, programs that are more financial well-being uh, related. So, are you about like life insurance? Uh, a little different than that. Okay. So, so let's say um, you know there is an opportunity for you know employees to meet with uh, like financial advisors or counselors, not necessarily people that sell things, but um, but uh, people who specialize in helping others um, uh, incur or, or alleviate debt okay. um, or, or develop you know, other financial um, aspects. Okay. So it's it's a it's a benefit. They call it financial wellness. All right. So then let's go to the last burning question, which I know we're going to have fun with, which is, <laughs> so how are these how are benefits going to help to land talent? Now you and I have a different view on this one. We might we might be putting on our boxing gloves here for a minute, but <laughs> but give me your give me your you know you actually told me some really interesting ways and, and let, let's talk about that. So what do you think sure. is the number one way that you know it helps to? Well, I'll let you run through. Go sure. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Sure. You know, message what you've got. Demonstrate you're excited about it. Um, now, I, I used to not differ too far from, from you. I mean, I, I was an HR executive yeah. for years. Sure. Um, I didn't start my HR career leading with benefits either. <laughs> right? But what yeah. I've seen, the power of benefits and the ability to impact the larger business strategy, you know, when you create a benefits strategy that truly is designed to attract and retain, once you implement that, you actually can measure the difference. You know, from a recruitment standpoint, I've noticed days to fill improves. Okay, how? Um, you don't have offers sitting out there forever, and you know, when you've got, and, and you don't, and you also don't have employees who are not necessarily engaged because you're not communicating or offering a benefit um, or a, a particular strategy that's engaging. I can see that if they're going back and forth and saying, "Hey, you know, and I really need pet insurance," and you don't <laughs> offer it, right? That might be something that, hey, look, if we offer pet insurance and everything else, I mean, it, it definitely cut down the decision making <laughs> process, right? Well, I, I, I would say pet insurance doesn't usually make or break the deal. No, it, it sweetens it the pot. May. It may for guess, some people. You never know. That, that is true. I've had the most <laughs> random things that have, you know, broken up things before, you know. 
That's true. But I will say not having any insurance or any benefits whatsoever and maybe just giving somebody the option like, well, we'll reimburse you up to X amount of dollars is not a good benefit strategy because I've I've seen that in my professional career. I've had companies that have done retained searches with me that were looking to fill a VP role and we got down to that conversation (laughs) and it doesn't fly with somebody who's got five kids. Well, it doesn't fly with individuals either with no kids these days. That's true. Yeah. So I think the expectations are that you provide a benefit that's similar to what they can get at a different opportunity. Um, So I'll agree with you. I think I I can see how it can reduce the time to fill the days because you're not going back and forth. It does. You can also see evidence in exit interviews, like when people leave and they're interviewed and ask, well, why did you leave? You know, how much better is the opportunity you're, you're going to? That's something that you can see, too. I, I've noticed that. And not necessarily, it doesn't have to only represent the turnover rate decreasing, but the prevalence of benefits being part of that reason Got decreases. It. Okay. Yeah. So you did reduces days to fill. What are the other ones? So reduces your days to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, by and large, that would impact your cost per hire, just based on the time that it takes. Okay. Um, you know, maybe you're hiring people like Rick because you couldn't fill it yourself through your HR team. Um, so there, there's a lot of costs that are associated with time yeah. and opportunity costs. Yeah, okay. But probably not anything that you can kind of stick a number to, right? I mean, it's all kind of... I think costs, days to fill, I mean, that's a, a leading uh, metric from a recruitment standpoint for a lot yeah, of organizations. And true. I think you know your cost per hire um, as well. I think that, uh, I mean, there's... Yeah, the longer a position sits unfilled, the more likely you're going to pay more to actually fill it. Um, so I, I think yeah. I think they're all related. Well, the the longer a position remains unfilled, the more money it costs you. Like it, you're losing money for each time, like in co- cost of work not getting done as well. Well, that, that too. Um, but I, I, but from my experience too, I've seen that employers are willing to pay more because they get to that point where they just have to fill it and they're going to have to go to a, to a salary amount or enhance some aspect of the offer where uh, they wouldn't necessarily have had to do that had the package been pretty solid. Cool. Final thoughts? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I, uh, I think that uh, you know a lot of employers realize the value of benefits after they lose someone for citing that reason. Yeah. So my final thoughts are, you know, benefits are, they should be a low hanging fruit. It should be something that sweetens the deal. Um, it's almost kind of like a baseball analogy. You know, your salary is your, your starting pitcher, right? That comes out of the gate. The salary doesn't always close the deal. You need a strong relief pitcher. And I think benefits is a great closer because when you offer a strong salary, you know, strong benefits package and you message it, people feel really good about the opportunity. Boom. There we go. I like that. <laughs> All right. So we're just, out about, we're just about out of time for today's show. Ron, thanks for your time investment today. And, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Thank you. Thank you. Had a lot of fun. So I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are going to be interested in reaching out to you. How do they get you? Yeah. So um, I am at the Precept Group. So my email is rherrera at preceptgroup.com. Spelled Precept Group. Precept Group is P-R-E-C-E-P-T. Uh, G-R-O-U-P dot com. Dot com. All yeah, right. I'm also on LinkedIn, Ron Herrera. Uh, yeah, reach out. Sounds good. Sp- spell Herrera. Sure. Sorry. Uh, H-E-R-R-E-R-A. Okay, so Ron Herrera. Um, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, 
Our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check us out at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O, dot com, or Hire Power Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Follow us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show, or you can follow me on Instagram at RickGerard1. So we have a, another great show lined up for you guys next week. Our guest is going to be Lynn Taylor. He's the founder and CEO of Taylor Protocols. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 